This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm Brett Gilloway and your host. Let's dive back into this week's guest. When you're out there on the mound and it doesn't go as planned, right? Yeah, all been there, yeah. You just get rocked. So, you know, in the business life, that happens. And yes. so what, what advice would you give to the business folks, baseball players, whatever it may be? How do you bounce back that next night when they, Tony La Russa calls you in and says, you know, hey, you're throwing again, throws you the ball, and you got you to gotta rebound? You, you have to have a, a short memory. I, th- I think that you learn from failure. You learn from negativity, but you can't dwell on it. You can remember what happened so you can make adjustments going forward. Uh, that's the biggest thing. If, if I had a, a rough game, and I had plenty of rough games, Brent, no doubt about it, uh, but if I knew that I did all the little things that I was supposed to do beforehand, if I was getting my workouts in, if I was uh, if I was prepared, if I watched my video and did all this, well, then I can tip my cap and say, all right, well, you beat me tonight. Let's do this again tomorrow. That's the biggest thing, and that's something that I, I'm so happy throughout my career that I don't have regrets like this is if I didn't do those things like I I can live with the results if I knew I put in the work beforehand sometimes somebody's just going to be better than me Uh, so if you did all your work and you failed okay well I'm gonna do all that work again and hope for another result and that's the biggest thing but having that short memory learning from that taking away any positives you can but not dwelling on the negative because if you go out the next game and you're worried about it you're thinking in your head oh crap man I just had a bad game everybody's watched me what if I have two in a row well guess what you're gonna do you're gonna have two in a row then you have three in a row like you have to have a positive positive frame of mind every time you go out there and and you know for the guys like me that are sitting there drinking a beer watching the game it's easy right we say oh he got rocked it's last so night fun. he's yes. gonna do it again right yeah no it, it is really funny too as i watch games now i'm a fan I, I go to the games i take my family and it sure as hell looks a lot easier when i'm sitting in the stands yeah. a part of forty thousand. but uh you remember what it's like there it, it's funny going to do the cardinals do things called you know fantasy camps where guys end up you know playing with former cardinals right. and it cracks me up watching somebody pitch and they're throwing the ball all over the place i'm like hey how many times have you been to a cardinal game and you yell throw a strike right, exactly. don't ever do it again right. it's not that easy yeah. right izzy told me a funny story one time he said uh there was a guy mouthing off and uh, you've been in the fantasy yeah, camps and done the pitching and guys were mouthing off and i guess he just drilled a guy in the arm just because you, know, you yes. guys have that much command and yep. he said the guy didn't say another word the rest of the camp that's the easy way to shut him up and <laughs> right. izzy still throws like 90 so yeah. uh yeah, yeah it uh it's fun like that, but it is amazing when you're removed from it for a long time. And this is anything. This is like if I went and picked up a basketball and started shooting hoops right now or trying to drive the lane on somebody. It's not like I remembered it when I was younger. I'm like, oh, that was easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, play, playing these games is hard. I have a, a big time respect for anybody that can do that. Yeah. So we talked earlier before we started recording about, you know, getting to college and then the minors and then to the big leagues. And once you're there, people have told me that that's the hardest part, right, is to stay there. Yes. So what was your routine like? And I want to focus on that process because, again, sports and business, are, they correlate so much. What could you share with our listeners that help them get ready for that big meeting, right? What was that process? What was your off-season like? The, the, I always had my, my off-season to me was – that was the building block for the entire year because it, it, throughout a baseball season, uh, it, it's very hard. You can't just uh, lift like a madman. You can't do put all this work in. You maintain throughout the season, but all the hard work is done beforehand. So I took that really seriously. I, I lived out in Las Vegas. I had a personal trainer there and somebody that was just accountability. It, it was uh, He was going to be there at 6 a.m. I was going to be there at 6 a.m. We were going to work our butts off uh, and get it done. It was sports-specific stuff, stuff that I knew I needed. I, I could go to the gym down the street and do bench 
bench press. I don't need to do bench press. I don't need to do stuff like that. Uh, so the, the preparation to me, it means a lot. You can't go through the motions. I don't care if you're in baseball doing workouts. I don't care if you're in business. You know when you're cheating yourself, right? You know when you're just doing something that's just eyewash. You're doing it just to do it. You better put everything you've got into it. And that's how I took the off season. I took it as training. Sure, you're going to hang out with your family, you're going to hang out with your friends. But when it comes to getting your work in, you do it. Because like we were just talking about a second ago, guess what? If you're not doing that, there's somebody right behind you that is going to do it. Maybe it's a young executive coming to take your job. Maybe it's another pitcher that actually throws 97 and has got some good stuff behind me. I got to make sure I'm doing all these things because it comes back to not having any regrets. I don't want to ever be done with some and say, man, if I would have just done this, I could have been that. And uh, that was the biggest thing for me. I never wanted to have that. And fortunately, I look back on my career now, while you can look at the back of my baseball card and say, hmm, that's not great. Uh, I have no regrets about it. You know, I played as long as I, uh, as, as long as my body would let me play, uh, bounced around for quite some time, but I did everything, you know, the, the right way. One thing I, I'd like to say about routines too is uh, I heard this and I don't know where I picked it up, but I love it. It's rule your routine. Don't let your routine rule you. A lot of times in baseball, it, you have guys, you know, it's nice to have a routine. And I would have a routine when I get to the ballpark. I'd get there. I'd change. I'd ride the bike. I, I'd do some in my arm exercise. I'd get my food. And you have this routine. You're used to doing it. But... What if something happens? You know, what if you are heading to a meeting and you get a flat tire and you had all these things that you wanted to do beforehand and now you didn't get to do A before you uh, are headed to do B? You can't worry about that. You have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to adjust. So don't let your routine rule you. That's a big one. And so you sounds like you're a big routine guy. So game day was a big deal for yep. you. And, and what's that five days like mentally getting prepared? You know, when you're in the starting rotation and you pitch, five days later you pitch again. What's that like? There's a lot of work in between. And a lot of people think, uh, you know, uh, being a starting pitcher in the big leagues is country club. What well, is for right. some guys? You know, you're able to do that. Greg Maddox could just go right. out there and pitch and then golf four days in a row. Uh, but there's so much work uh, that goes in. And for me, uh, I – was always an observer, right? I like I like to watch other people go to work. Chris Carpenter is one of the best I've ever seen do it. And the impressive part always was game day, right? That was always great to see. We all got a chance to watch how great he was. The unbelievable part to me was the next four days, how much work he put in, all, all the lifting, all the running, all the getting your body prepared. Once again, that routine to get ready to perform uh, the days in between. So I took that stuff seriously, watching guys like him, wanting to work like that. Um, it, it's big. It's, it's all about building the base. But the, the hard part is when it comes to that mental side again, like we were just talking about, if you have a bad outing, well, you have that one bad outing. Now you have four days as a starting pitcher to think about that bad outing. You could either dwell on that or you can try to put that behind you. Maybe you're going to go back and watch a little video, see where you failed and see why you failed and, and see if you can make adjustments that way. Or I, and I've had times in this, I, I've battled the mental side of baseball for sure. I've had two bad starts in a row. And before the third one, the four days leading up, it's like, oh, God. Here we go again. Here right. we go again. Well, if you have that, guess what's going to happen the third time? Just like we talked about, you're going to have another bad outing. So if you can have that positivity, sometimes you almost have to fool yourself. Right. Like you have to like j just talk yourself into being positive about something. But if you can do that, if you can come into something with a positive attitude, a clean slate, uh, you, you're going to be much better off yeah. for it. Yeah, Erin Shannon, uh, Mike Shannon's daughter, was on She's the podcast great. earlier in the week, and that's what she was saying is just literally before you even get out of bed, you've got to mentally get yourself – Yes. 
in a state. And I'm assuming you have to do that. You know, I have to do that in business and other leaders do as well. So it sounds like we're talking the same thing. What, uh, where did you find your inspiration, your motivation, whatever you want to call it? Where did you find that during the off season, even when you're in the big leagues to stay there? Was it just for the love of the game or where did you find that inspiration? I, it's a little bit of everything. We come, you know, it's support from family is love of the games. I love playing. And honestly, um, you know, for me, baseball was, I didn't grow up. I grew up as every little kid thinking, oh, you know, I want to be a major league baseball player. You would never see my career path and say, oh, that's where he's going. It, right. it, it's going to happen. So that wasn't necessarily, you know, what I always believed I was going to be. Uh, but I, I think that it, it comes down to also, uh, there was always a little bit of, I don't know, I, I I guess there's not a better word for it. There was always that fear, that fear that somebody was behind me, that somebody was going to take my job, that I was never good enough to not put this work in. I couldn't just throw my hat out there. It's funny, um, not to say this guy didn't work, because he absolutely did, but I got a chance being in Vegas to talk to a guy like Greg Maddox. And I said, Greg, man, what, like, what's your offseason look like? When do you start throwing and stuff like that? He's like, ah, you know, I might pick up a ball, you know, play catch with my son in the front yard. I'm like, what? What do you yeah, mean play catch with your son? Ever, right? Yeah, but, but he... Uh, he he got to that point in his career where he could use spring training as a platform to get ready for the season. I always had to be ready in spring training to earn a job. I was always the 25th man on the roster. It was always like a last day decision. Uh, so to me, it was always that fear. It was always that, that knowledge that somebody's behind me. I know this is a numbers game and I want to make sure I do everything to have those numbers. And it comes back to, again, uh, I don't want to regret. I don't want to think, man, if I just hadn't gone out with my buddy for that week straight, if I hadn't gone on vacation that one time, um, that, that I could have been that guy. Guy. I could have right. been on that team and my career I, I had plenty of uh, rejection plenty of failures I, I've been sent down plenty of times but I always think about all the times I got back because you yeah. see a lot of guys get sent down to the minor leagues throughout the season and this is, is business too you can have a bad meeting or you can have something fall through and you can hang your head and you can lose yourself for weeks on end or you can get right back to work and you can get right back to where you want to get to and that's hard to do it's yeah. hard mentally to be on top of the mountain and then be back down it we got to climb back up the mountain yeah. being mentally tough uh, after failure is big so we talk a lot about fear a lot of successful people have come on the show or just even in my years of experience talking to people fear drives a lot of us yeah when I look back on my career, 16 years of doing this and your career, how many of those fears actually came true? Oh, the failure thing, uh, quite a few times. <laughs> uh, no, you, you know what? But, but I think the point is that you, you know, we put these things in our mind yes. like it's we're going to fail, never All be able to monsters, do it again. Right. right? These uh, monsters. No. How many of those came true? No, it, it really doesn't. It, it, uh, it doesn't work out that way. It might be some sort of a motivator for you, but uh, if we all just got knocked down, every time we failed and never got back up, well, none of us would do anything at all. I mean, that, that is part of life. That's part of growing. I, I've learned more from failure than I've learned from success. I mean, that, that's just kind of part of it and part of growing it. And that's now on the radio. That's now as a father, like well, we're going to mess things up every once in a while. So what do we do? We're, we're going to learn from them. So uh, you can't dwell on that fear. You can use that fear as a motivator, but realize if one of those fears happens, if something does happen in your life, well, guess what? You're going to get through that too. And you're going to move on to the next thing. Yep. So when you hear the word vision, what, uh, what comes to mind? Uh, for, for me, it's a, it's something that you truly want, something that you have your heart, your mind, your your goals set on, and that is the vision that you had. Just that when I was a you know five year old kid, I had a vision that I wanted to be a big league 
ball player. Maybe that could be a pipe dream, or, or and maybe right. vision and pipe dream are, are close to each Mine other. Mine was but a pipe dream. Yours yeah. is reality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it's uh, to me, it's something that I set my sights on. It's something that I, I want to have, and I realize that whatever visions they may be, there's a process. There's a process to get to that vision. It's not just A goes right to B, but if you want that vision enough, you're going to be able to get to it. Were you, were you a guy that wrote down your goals and dreams and aspirations and all that stuff? I, I mean, wasn't. Okay. No, I was never that guy. I always had stuff, but I would usually keep stuff very close to the vest, things yeah. that I wanted. Um, you know, anybody listening to this that had a chance to see me pitch, uh, probably thinking, oh man, you're crazy. But I had, uh, you know, aspirations of, hey, I want to be an all-star. I want to be, you know, I want to do stuff like that. Now it didn't work out for me, but it's still a driving uh, force, you know, but so it never had to be written down. But stuff to me was always, uh, always had it upstairs. Oh yes, man. There's always, so that's the biggest thing. Even if you are uh, at the top of the mountain, even if you are a a guy, you know, Adam Wayne right here with the Cardinals, Yadier Molina, guess what they're trying to do every day? They're trying to get better. So you, you can't ever get... Uh, be satisfied. Don't be satisfied with where you're at because you know you can always grow. And maybe that comes from just opening your ears and trying to learn a little bit more. Or maybe it comes from uh, maybe there's something else I can work on to tweak myself. Maybe it's your attitude. But there's always something you can do better. You always got to look for those things. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that's really important. What did you do to get yourself mentally prepared? And, and you know, I look back in sports the last few years. One of my favorite pieces, and you probably are going to know what I'm talking about, was uh, is at the Olympics this past Olympics? Michael Phelps locked sitting, in. Yeah, locked in. Right, yes. he's sitting in the chair. He's got his headphones on. His face just looks like I'm gonna just destroy yes. you. And the guys in front of him doing the boxing, <laughs> right, all that stuff. And he doesn't budge. Yep. Right? I love that. And uh, in fact, I am a big writer downer of goals. And in my business plan, I have a picture of him beating that guy in my business plan. I, I look at every day. Yeah. So I love that stuff. What did you do to mentally get prepared for the the big game, the big moment? You're in the bullpen or you're starting Tony makes the call taps the right hand Brad Thompson you're coming in let's go yeah it's it's different between like starters and relievers starters you know what day you're getting in and it's funny you talk about Michael Phelps uh, because that was always one of mine like I had my routine leading up to a start and then I would just have the music in and I would be blasting metal and I thought I was the toughest man alive before (laughs) I walked out there like uh, it's funny seeing me and then if you could get inside my body when I was actually pitching you thought I was just an animal like I just uh, so locked in and uh, maybe there was almost a, I don't want to say a hate, but there was some sort of hate. Like there was right. some, something different. And damn it, if there's something I miss from sports, it's that. It's that like just transforming into something else when I'm competing because uh, that was real. I don't know, there was some sort of rage in there that right. I, I got out. Uh, but uh, out, out in the bullpen, you always kind of know what your routine is going to be like. You know what your what games you usually get in. So you start focusing when you see the game trend that way. And I haven't been able to replicate this in anything I do in life. And I love doing the radio stuff. The TV is a lot of fun. But there is nothing like a phone ringing and a bunch of grown men jump up excited. Like, there is nothing like that. That that adrenaline rush that you get saying, you're about to go into a Major League Baseball game and compete. I still miss that a lot. But you always, you just got to be ready for it. And you got to want it. There has to be a yearning for that phone to ring and your name to come out. If the phone rings and you're thinking, please be him, please be him, please be him, you're probably (laughs) in a bad spot. Not a good choice. Yes, no. This is Brett Gilliland with Circuit of Success. We'll be right back.
I'm Tim Hammett, co-founder and president at Visionary Wealth Advisors. Please join us for the Circuit of Success Summit, May 6th at the Four Seasons Hotel. The summit brings together the region's most influential leaders to share their ideas and insight into what defines success. This year's presenters include Mizzou coach Conzo Martin, Command Sergeant Tom Satterley, Bob Laughlin, Stacey Taubman, and Elizabeth Zucker. The Circuit of Success Summit, May 6th at Four Seasons Hotel. Get more information and register today at visionarywealthadvisors.com. I'm Tim Hammett, co-founder and president at Visionary Wealth Advisors. Please join us for the Circuit of Success Summit, May 6th at the Four Seasons Hotel. The summit brings together the region's most influential leaders to share their ideas and insight into what defines success. This year's presenters include Mizzou coach Conzo Martin, Command Sergeant Tom Satterley, Bob Laughlin, Stacey Taubman, and Elizabeth Zucker. The Circuit of Success Summit, May 6th at Four Seasons Hotel. Get more information and register today at visionarywealthadvisors.com. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait. Belief started in the fourth grade. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude. And I had this nagging feeling. A great belief system. I was capable of so much more. An action every single day. In all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. Never give up on yourself. That's when greatness happens. The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success podcast. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and those of you that know me uh, know that I'm a huge Cardinal fan, so I am fired up today. We've got world champion Brad Thompson here with us today. Brad, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I thought Jim Edmonds was behind me or something. No, That's what no. I was thinking. he's in the future. He's right, coming good. up. Good, he's good, good. Up. we got to start with those pitchers, you know, That's that right. do all the work. That's so. right. He, yeah, he's the one that saved my butt. We might, we might as well start with the pitch, right? Exactly. So speaking of that, was, were you the one pitching when he made the catch? No. Well, he's made many of those catches, but the one I know the one you're talking yeah. about already, that was Izzy pitching. Okay. Jason Isringhausen yeah. on the bump saved him. That was one of the most incredible oh. catches ever, man. He was, uh, he was a lot of fun to watch watch you know it, it is amazing when you play the game and uh, there's a 25-man roster in the big leagues right and, and you're all on the same team you're not all on the same level like Jimmy was just next level stuff yeah. it was crazy what he did he's a great guy great guy well I'm glad you're here with us today man and I know you got a lot to share on the circuit of success and and so just if you would take our listeners back to what made Brad Thompson the man he is today and got him to the big leagues at the highest level possible well I would say uh first thing is just uh just love man I I, uh, I had a love for baseball at a young age I just really I really enjoyed playing and from five years old until about uh four years ago baseball was my life you know played through little league although I did try to quit once in little league I, I tried <laughs> uh and the coach said come back one more day if you have fun and thank god for him because yeah. I came back and I, and I had some fun with it but uh really just uh what got me to where I am today obviously I played in the big leagues for the Cardinals played in the big leagues for the Royals bounced around played all over the place uh and now I work for ESPN radio I do some stuff for Fox Sports Midwest I've been really blessed in my life just to have these opportunities but it all started with just an, an enjoyment to do something uh I, I tell people all the time when I get an opportunity to talk to kids or, or if I'm just doing lessons 
Brett, not, never one time, not on a little league team, not with like the little kid Mike that picks his nose, like or through high school, college, and pro ball. Never once had I had I been like the best player on a team. Like it just has never happened. And usually that's not the path for big right. league ball players. You're usually you know the the shortstop that hits third and uh, you're the stud. I just was never that guy, but I always loved it. So I always it was okay with doing all the grunt work and all the little things that matter so much along the way. Um, so while I didn't have that one thing. I didn't throw 95 or I didn't hit 500 foot homers I just did all the little things right and I cared to do so so that's kind of what's gotten me to this point it's what got me to the big leagues and even now doing radio for a living too it's all those little things uh, like I'm, I'm never going to be mistaken for Bob Costas but <laughs> I could do all these little things right and take pride in what I do and, and kind of that's been the story of my career yeah well you've done a darn good job of that and you're awesome on the ESPN radio I love listening to you every day what um, let's talk a little bit about before we dive into baseball and the mental side and all that kind of stuff. Let's you, you brought it up, kids' sports. I mean, what do you see today that uh, is different from maybe when you played? Did you were you a were you an all year round? You know, again, you know, I have the four boys and us parents. We all talk about all year yeah. baseball or all year soccer yeah. and all the stuff that's going on in today's world. When we were kids, it wasn't that way. But it, so, what did you do as a kid? You know what? It's so hard to find balance, right? I mean, that that's the biggest thing. Now, uh, I played baseball, like I said, all the time. But growing up, I mean, I, I tinkered with other stuff. I played I played a little bit of basketball. I mean, if any any time there was something, you know, it was a different world too. When we grew up, everybody just went outside and played. Like you go right. play football, you go to school, you do all this. You don't see as much of that going on nowadays. But I like to play everything. But baseball was mainly my gig, and I grew up in. Las Vegas where you could play year round but when I was really young I didn't I played regular you know little league and then that was it and then I was a kid for the rest of the time you know well once I got to about 12 or 13 I started playing on little traveling teams uh, but I wasn't a pitcher then I didn't really pitch I didn't really pitch until college which is kind of a crazy thing I just got lucky I'm, maybe we'll get into that in a minute but um, so I was never really wearing myself out one piece of advice I think Kids need a break at some point. Like, there needs to be some sort of a break. But kids will tell you if they're enjoying what they're doing. Right. Like, you'll notice. And maybe sometimes a kid will be like, oh, no, okay, Dad, yeah, no, I want to do that. You know, though, right? Like, you know if you look in your kid's eye or you see the way that they go out and do something, if you're forcing them into it or they're really enjoying it. Uh, but especially for baseball, if you've got a kid, a young kid that, like, pitches, year round is too much. I mean, that's just too much of one act activity. And you'll talk to anybody that coaches at a at a high level or you know high school college they want well-rounded rounded athletes you don't have to in 10th grade because you have a, or you know 10 years old because you have a good arm you're not you don't have to be a pitcher and that's not like your your only uh path to wherever you want to go you can be an athlete you can be a kid you can have fun let all that stuff figure itself out but uh, i think that there's got to be some sort of balance but have a conversation talk right. to your kids and i'm not there yet my son is three and a half years old my daughter's only one so uh, i hope that we go down these paths where my kids have a love for sports like, like i do uh, and i know it's hard to do and i know you want to give them the opportunity to get in everything but make sure they want what they're doing you know that's a big thing yeah and i think for you probably would and i think i guess you would agree with this my he was 10 at the time last year we were playing in a championship game for my son's team plays on the o'fallon predators here yeah. we we're playing a, a team and the kid threw 105 pitches at 10 years old 10 years old 10 years old 
Do they take the coach out back and shoot him? They should have. Yeah. Yeah. So we were all talking about that on our coach. You know, we, we have like a 50 pitch minimum or whatever yes. it may be. And, and so when you look at that, you know, you look at the Steven Strasburgs and, you know, even Michael Walker, who's had some uh, issues with his arm. And, yep. and so I think about that as that's because at 10 and 12 and 15, they were throwing 7,500 pitches a game all year long. It's, it is a lot. We're seeing overuse all over the place. And we have to understand. And at some point, I, I hope to coach, you know, my, my kids' teams uh, as they grow up up you have to understand it's not just about winning like it's not just about oh you know Johnny over here he's great he's our best pitcher you got him go get him Johnny right. no it's it's like look he's a kid he's got a future he can only he only got so many bullets in a gun okay. you know so you, you have to watch out for that there's a fine line between uh helping kids get to where they want to be and abusing kids yeah. as far as you know athletics go so uh it, it's hard to do but it's something you have to do and parents need to step in too I mean if you're seeing something like that when you know your kid is the kid out there it's great to have the stud athlete kid but you have to think about his future too you know it's a a very difficult thing what was it like in your house growing up you know we my wife and I talk about this a lot with the kids and you know you you want to promote a a culture of just loving the game but you also want them to learn stuff and you want you want them to be winners um but you know what was it like was your dad hard on you your mom hard on you soft what was it like you know what they're uh, the main thing I, I would say is there was so much support I mean, there was so much. Uh, my dad uh, worked with his hands. I mean, he was gone, you know, early in the morning, come home at night. And every day if I say, hey, dad, you want to play catch? He's like, yeah, let's go. You know, he was, had me out in the backyard. Now, I do think that one of the reasons I got the accuracy that I got was because of his hard days of work. Uh, if it wasn't, if the ball wasn't going to hit him, he would let it go. Yeah. And then I'd have to go <laughs> jog after it uh, and have to get it. Yeah, always, I did the same thing. Yeah, he always yeah. jokes around. He's like, you know, you know, I'm the one that made you hit the strike zone because I wasn't going to go chase your junk. You're throwing all over over the backyard uh but no there, there was just so much support and my dad coached when I was you know through little league and stuff and there was always a, a focus on winning but mainly the, the focus was on doing stuff the right way because you can lose and you can lose with pride I mean you can lose there are good ways to lose sometimes you just get beat right sometimes right. you beat yourself and I think that he just always instilled not just in baseball but in life in general doing things the right way I mean if it's worth doing it's worth doing right right, right. so uh, that was just something my, my dad always instilled my mom was always really supportive and you know if I ever needed anything for baseball or for sports they found a way to make it happen and that's kind of the way that I want to attack it with my kids if you show a true passion a true love for something then I want to support that and I want to be there for you I don't want to be hard on you I want to be a sounding board and I want to help out where I can uh I think support is the biggest thing so I know you got uh, drafted by the Cardinals and like you're what 23 when you made your big league appearance and so tell us what's that day like when you get that call uh so I was in uh, I was in triple a uh so I got drafted by the Cardinals in 2002 my first year that I actually I had signed late so I didn't play until 03 played 03 04 and then in 2005 I'm in triple a Memphis and I remember we were playing in Omaha, I believe it was, and we're at the team hotel, and I get a phone call from the manager in the hotel room, and he says, hey, Brad, were you, uh, were you just down at the hotel bar? I say, yeah, Shafe, I, I, I was down there. He's like, well, lady say you didn't pay your bill. I'm like, excuse me? No, no, we paid, everything's fine. Like, I, I promise. He's like, he said, get your butt down here right now. I need to talk to you. I'm like, okay, all right, sounds good. So I get down there, and I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm, I'm so nervous. Like, like, Skip, I would never, I would never do that, you know? And uh, he said, hey, you know what? It's fine. 
you can afford it now. You're going to the big leagues. Oh, and I lost man. it. I, I was so uh, I was so excited, so pumped up. And I, I remember right afterwards, I called my parents. You know, that's the first thing. I, right. I, I call, I tell my dad, and he he didn't believe me. Oh. He didn't like he didn't believe. He's, he's, like, he's like, shut up, man. He's like he's like, come on. I'm like, dude, I'm serious. This is happening. You know, I'm uh, I'm going to the big leagues. And he just had I'm, I'm like choked up talking about. Right. It. He had nothing. You know, he he didn't uh, he he couldn't couldn't speak. And it was pretty cool that pretty is, cool moment man so very cool they uh they didn't get a chance to make it out for my first outing my first outing actually was on mother's day 2005 wow. so mom got to watch yeah. that you know but that moment of jogging in it was bush too oh. so it was uh it, you know how the place was it was just surrounded you you know big circle i remember jogging in and it's like holy crap you know yeah. there's so many people and I throw my warm-up pitches, and, and Scott Rowland, you know, they throw the ball around. Scott Rowland's walking up, and he looks at me, and he looks around, like, makes a big show out of it. He's like, a lot of people here, huh? <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> here you go. Don't blow it. And it was, uh, it was such, a, uh, such a great moment, and uh, I was really fortunate, too, when I did get called up that uh, I was smart enough to just shut up because it was such a veteran-laden team. You know, you got guys oh. like Scott Rowland, Jimmy, uh, Jason Isringhausen, Pujols, Mar- Mark Mulder, Morris. I mean, it was just a veteran team, so I just uh, sat in my locker and was quiet the whole time. But what an unbelievable experience. I mean, you think about it, and you know in in business, man, you, you have a dream, you have a plan, and then to finally see that plan come to fruition and all that hard work, all the stuff that you did, all, all the little things along the way that uh, – uh, go into you know reaching your goal it's special man it really is yeah that is special so tell us about what the mental side of that so you you get there and maybe we can dive more into the i'm always curious as the the rookie well let's actually go into that now what so you're the rookie guy you're in there are you starstruck at this point or are you around them enough that you you don't you know you know that scott Rowland or albert pujols right i still uh, i still remember walking into the clubhouse the first day and it was like a movie. Like I felt like I was just walking into like major league or, or something yeah. like that. Because as soon as I opened the door, Matt Morris is walking across, Pujols is going the other way. I see Scott Rowland sitting down eating something. I'm like, oh my god! Like this is real. I've made it. This this is happening because I was in big league camp with the with the team in 2005, but I was only there for like two weeks. I mean, I was the the but rookie. You at least got to know him. Yeah, I was like the rookie number 78 that I just yeah. like sat over there and just talked to the other rookies. And like I got to know him a little bit, but not to the point of like, hey, we're teammates at this point. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was surreal, and there was still that starstruck moment. That moment goes away really quickly, though, when you realize you're on the mound, and you're competing for your life. It's yeah. like, well, I don't care who the hell that is on yeah. that side. I, I got to right. go get that guy out. Right. But uh, no, it, it was great, and uh, I do believe too. I believe in the hierarchy of stuff. Like so, uh, I have such a respect for veteran players. I have respect for people that have been doing something for a long time, and I'm the new guy in. I don't like to come in and act like I own it. I feel like a lot of times we have young kids now try to come in and not just in baseball, but just in life. Like, Hey, I'm here now. I'm the same as you. No, you're not. (laughs) I can't walk in. I'm not the same as Jason Isringhausen. I'm not the same as these guys. So what I always tried to do, and I I did this throughout my career was try to learn, man. You try to pick the brains of the guys that have been there. You watch the game, you you be a student of it. And I think that's where you end up, uh, you know, end up getting to that next level. But it's uh, it's not an easy game. We all know that. We see, we get to watch on TV. You you know, watch Cardinals on Fox Sports Midwest, and we see the ins and outs of it. You don't see all the disappointment in it. You don't see all the the negative things. But anything in life, you get knocked down. If you can get back up, you're all right. This is Brett Gilliland with Circuit of Success. We'll be right back. 
I'm Tim Hammett, co-founder and president at Visionary Wealth Advisors. Please join us for the Circuit of Success Summit, May 6th at the Four Seasons Hotel. The summit brings together the region's most influential leaders to share their ideas and insight into what defines success. This year's presenters include Mizzou coach Conzo Martin, Command Sergeant Tom Satterley, Bob Laughlin, Stacey Taubman, and Elizabeth Zucker. The Circuit of Success Summit, May 6th at Four Seasons Hotel. Get more information and register today at visionarywealthadvisors.com. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm Brett Gilloway and your host. Let's dive back into this week's guest. So you get that call, the guy opens a gate for you, and now you're walking out. Crowds, and I'm you know in that crowd. I'm yeah. going crazy. It's yeah. Tell it, me about it could that. it could be a, it could be a nice crowd. It could be a mean crowd on the road. I remember pitching in Philadelphia, my first ever road game ever, and I stepped out from under the tunnel, like uh, under the little awning, to yeah. throw my warm up pitches. I was just getting worn out by people. Believe it or not, people in Philly at times at the game there was a beer garden there too. Oh yeah. Weren't the nicest ever, but wasn't that where uh, was it rolling or somebody got batteries thrown at him? Probably. Or yeah, they yeah. love batteries. They uh, I think they hit Santa Claus with stuff in Philly too. Uh. So uh, yeah, it's really funny too. Just just quick side story. The bullpens in in Philadelphia. It's a two-tier bullpen, and when they first built the place, the Phillies were on top. It's like a better bird's-eye view. You can see the ballpark you know, quite a bit better. But they had to change it because the fans were wearing their own pitchers out so much that they had to switch and put the yeah. visitors up, up top. Yeah. Uh, but but that, uh, that jog in from the bullpen is uh, it's kind of surreal at times. But one of the things that I learned about that, I learned about getting ready for the game is – it doesn't matter what the heck I just did in the bullpen. It doesn't matter if I threw five balls that went over the catcher. It doesn't matter if I was spotting up my fastball and I had a good breaking ball. It matters about what I execute next. Right. Like it's, it's, about, it's always about thinking forward, thinking about your next pitch and making adjustments as you go. There are sometimes as a pitcher where you have it all and you're out on the mound. And I've got the fastball I can dot on both sides. I've got a breaking ball I can throw wherever. I can throw my change up in any count, and I feel great I'm on top of the world. Now, those days are usually pretty good. There are other days where you don't have anything and you have to make stuff up as you go, but your mindset better be the same. Your mindset better be, I'm competing here, not, oh, please don't let this happen. Your mindset better be, okay, here we go. This is what I got. Let's see what you got. So it's kind of like the day, you know, when you're going into a business meeting and you know you're going to get that new client or you know you're going to make it happen. And sometimes you feel like you'd set up on the interstate out there and say, I'll give it away for free and nobody takes it. <laughs> right? it, it happens. Are you just going to quit? You know, are, are you you done after that? Are you going to come back again yeah. and, and find a new client and, and figure out maybe what went wrong that time? You know, yeah. it just happens. Sometimes we have bad days. You know, it doesn't mean we're, we're bad at what we do. Right. What, what risk are you glad that you took when you look back at your career? Wow. That is, uh, I feel like every, every year was a risk. Every time I went out there, it was a risk. Uh, you know what? I, I'm glad that I just uh, pursued it. You know what? One risk that I'm really glad that I took, and obviously a career path w- would tell you that too. First of all, when I, I told you I didn't pitch until college, well, I, I got seen pitching in Legion ball. So it's like summer ball for after high school. Yeah. It was my senior year. I was playing in Legion. I got seen by a little junior college um, in St. George, Utah, right outside of Las Vegas. And about a week before school was started, I was going to walk on to the community college in Southern Nevada. About a week before school started, they asked me, say, hey, we had somebody drop out of a scholarship. We had an opportunity to see you pitch. Would you be interested? 
like a week before school started, you know, moving towns, like, yeah, what the heck, I'm in, you know, so we, we took that risk and obviously took, had the scholarship for school, but financially, you know, my parents, uh, you know, were out there quite a bit, you know, putting me up and, and stuff like that at school, took that risk. Uh, and another one, even before Pro Bowl started was after my second year at Dixie State College, St. George, Utah, and I was a pitcher now, I wasn't doing anything else. I got DH4, by the way, in high school as a third baseman. That's a side story, <laughs> but it tells you about right. my, the arc is an exact exactly what it uh, normally is. Uh, but I had signed with UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, yeah. to play baseball there for my junior, senior year. And I ended up getting drafted by the Cardinals that summer, that draft. And I was hemming and hawing over it. I didn't know what to do. I, I knew I wanted to play baseball still, but I also knew I wanted to continue my education. I was looking to get into criminal justice and uh, was seeing, you know, they had a good program there. I liked that direction but I also knew that I might not have an opportunity to do this again like you just never know what's going to happen yeah. with pro baseball and I remember getting a phone call from the coach at UNLV because he knew I'd been drafted obviously I was thinking about what I was going to do and he told me he's like if you end up going to the Cardinals that'll be the worst decision you make in your life wow and I'm like man I'm, just what right. you wanted to hear yeah I'm like okay all right thanks coach appreciate that I'll, I'll get back to you and uh, a couple weeks later, you know, talking to my parents and, and just kind of going through it, it, it was a risk that I was wanting to take. It, it was something that I could always go back to school. And, and that was kind of part of the deal, too, when, when you sign as a younger kid, when you still have school remaining. The teams will off, often throw in your last couple of years of college, you know. Like, man, I can always do that. I can always go back to school if I want to. I can't always go back to playing pro ball. So it was, uh, it was a risk, but it was one that I wanted to chase them. You talk about that vision, right? Well, you only have so many times to chase that vision. You only have so many opportunities to be ready. So that was one, yeah. that, was one that I really wanted to chase. Well, that's a good risk. Glad you took it. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> it worked out well. Wouldn't be here if I didn't. Absolutely. What, uh, would you say you're surprised by your success or did you envision it? Oh, you know what? I, I think that... Uh, I would say surprised, honestly. It, not because I didn't put in the work, just because I, I know how hard it is. I, I know how um, getting to the big league level in baseball, I know how difficult it is. I know how talented those guys are. So once I got there, I can I, I, I believe that I was on that level and I wanted to keep trending that way. But there was a surprise. You know, I, I, I envisioned it like, I, like we talked about dreamed about. Mm -hmm. But uh, looking back at it now, it's more of a surprise, you know, it's, uh, and it's a great surprise. It's okay to be surprised every once in a while. Well, it's gotta be a very humbling deal too. I mean, as, as an athlete, you know, we, we grow up dreaming of that stuff sure. and, and you know, I get to dream it, you get to do it. And then you also get to bring home the ring. That was I mean, pretty how fun. How cool is that? That was pretty fun. So yeah. So we're going to talk about that in a second, but what, what's your purpose now, Brad? What do you, what do you look at the next, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life, however long God's willing to let us be out here. What's your purpose? You know what? Uh, my, my purpose is, is, I know we've talked a lot about business. My purpose is my family. Like, I, I love this change in my life. I love the fact that now, I, you know, I've been married eight years. I got a three and a half year old son. I got a one year old daughter. And my purpose is to be the best dad that I could possibly be. And uh, I love that aspect of it. Uh, now, we all know that part of that job is being a provider yeah. in, in the meantime, too. So I've been very fortunate with my career in baseball to have that transition into a new career. And I love doing radio stuff. I work for one-on-one -on -one ESPN, co-host a show with some great guys, Randy Carricker, Chris Ronji. We, we've had a lot of fun. and I love doing that. 
love doing the TV stuff for Fox Sports Midwest. And to me, it's I don't have this one like one goal in mind. It's like, oh, career wise, I want to do that. You know, uh, I just want to keep getting better at what I do and see what comes next. I, my career in, in baseball, my career in radio so far has been a series of opportunities and a series of opportunities that I've been ready for. I'm sure that, you know, somebody listening to this might think, man, I had a chance to do this one time, but I wasn't ready. When it was the radio gig, I got a phone call one day saying, hey, could you fill in? Chris Duncan passed along my uh, information, say, hey, Brad might be good at this. Give him a call, you know, to fill in for a day. And I could have just walked in there as like Joe Schmo, former athlete, and say, oh, yeah, I got this. Fine. Yeah. Sports. That's easy. I came in with like copious notes and I was like, you know, all locked in. It was NFL stuff. I, I was ready to go. And one segment in, they called me out of the hall and said, hey, can you stay for the rest of the week? And I stayed for the rest of the week. I ended up staying for the rest of the offseason. Uh, always be ready for an opportunity. Yeah. You just never know when that might come along. But well, my, to your point, too, so, so many people want the timing to be perfect, right? Yes. In business, and sports, whatever it may be, the timing is never perfect. No. No, you, always, you just always have to be ready. You don't have to be 100% prepared when something comes up, but be ready for the opportunity. Don't let them pass you by. If you see something that is along the right tracks for you and it's something that you, you think that you're interested in, well, go for it. You know, if you get a chance, you never know what might come of it. Right. I think it's belief in yourself. And, you know, we talked about in the circuit of success, we talk about attitude. We yes. talked a lot about that, but belief as well. And I think belief in self is one of those is you knew the Brad Thompson well enough that if they call you to do the radio, you go do it. Yes. And then you just got to put in the work yep. the days it, or I'll say this, know. I'll say right now, Brad, it, it was uncomfortable. Like I, it was uncomfortable. I'm not used to, I, I was kind of a shy person, you know, and getting and talking on the radio, public speaking still scares me to death, even right. though like once I get out there, I'm good to go. But sometimes you have to put yourself out there. Sometimes you have to take a little risk. Uh, I, I still find uh, I'm 35 years old now. I still surprise myself sometimes like different stuff that I'm able to do. Maybe, maybe it's an event that somebody asked me to do. And I'm like, oh, I'm really uncomfortable with that. And then I do it. I'm like, okay, yeah. we, we can do this stuff. Like we can still surprise ourselves. There's yeah more in there if you're not afraid to tap into it my uh my friends a little bit of a humble pie here my my old high school and grade school friends would know this and would probably laugh if they hear this if they're listening is i used to throw up literally before like baseball games and like anything is all about have a routine yeah, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> i'm like i would just get sick i was always so nervous and then when i started public speaking i would get sick and and so now you've started to grow but i had to put myself in those uncomfortable situations to get past my comfort zone face the fear and just do it anyway. Yes. Well, and you know, there are so many people that have been in that situation that have gotten sick like that and said, never again, right. not going to do it. And, and if that happened to you and that worked out for you, that's fine. But know that you can always come back to it. You can always work through some things because it's all about reps. The more you do something, the better you're going to get at it, the more comfortable you're going to feel. And I always tell people too, if, if you don't have, if you're getting into something and you're doing something, whether it's your big business meeting or it's pitching in the big leagues, to me, if you don't have some sort of a feeling, some sort of a, a butterfly type feeling in your stomach, some sort of like a, a nervous energy, I don't know if you care enough. Like, I don't know if, if it's that big to you. I, I have it before I get on the radio every day. I had a nervous energy coming into here yeah. doing a podcast. Like, I care about what I'm doing. I want to do great at it. I, I think that's okay to be a little bit nervous. Just don't get paralysis from fear. Yeah. I'm just glad I wasn't doing one nervous. Before no, I this. threw up in the lobby. <laughs> Is that what they were cleaning yeah, up? They, yeah. yeah, that's uh, my that's bad on that. Yeah, the that's bill. all right. Yeah. We'll, we'll take care of it. So... So uh, October 27th, 2006, where were you at that night? Do you remember? Well, October 27th, that sounds like that may, might be Bush Stadium. Maybe. Might be Game 5. 
of the 2006 World Series. Yes. That might be the night that I wish uh, that uh, the Guinness World Records were there because it was the fastest sprint I ever did in my life. Or the <laughs> NFL Combine uh, was there, you seeing my 40 it. speed. Yeah, because that was uh, the fastest sprint ever from the bullpen into the mound. So, what, what an incredible night. Oh, So that was pretty cool. My uh, my wife and I got married on October 27th of 2001. And so our fifth Happy anniversary. anniversary, thank you, was that night. Unbelievable. October 27th. Uh, 2011 was Game Six when uh, Freeze did his deal. So we're lucky for the Cardinals. Yeah, you're doing all right, right? But uh, so walk us through that night. What what's that like? I mean, for those of us who've never done that, probably everybody listening to this, tell us about it. You talk about nervous energy, being there in Game Five and knowing this could be it. Like we we have a sizable lead on on the Tigers, who everybody came into that series. I I still remember USA Today saying the Tigers were going to win the series in three games. (laughs) Or anybody that's uh, right. familiar with a seven-game series, possible. yeah. <laughs> right. uh, but but that's how much of an advantage everybody thought they had. And the Cardinals in 2006, we uh, really sputtered down the stretch. We had a team that was just full of injuries. Albert was hurt. Eckstein was hurt. Jimmy was dealing with stuff. Scott was dealing with stuff. I mean, we had so many guys that were banged up. It was 83 wins that year, right? Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. yes. It's the lowest ever to yeah, win a World just, Series. Just kind of crept in there. But then you look, you know, game one of the postseason, and everybody's healthy. All those names are in the lineup, and all of a sudden this team had a bit of swagger around them, and this team was ready to build and do something special, and we did. You know, it's uh, everybody does that as a little kid, whether you're an NBA fan or you're a football fan, you're a baseball fan, you're in the backyard saying, I'm going to win the World Series. Oh, it's game seven, and I'm, I'm going to hit. To be in that situation, to feel the crowd, to run in and uh, celebrate with a bunch of guys. Everybody has their goals, right? In the beginning of the season, you have individual goals, you have team goals, and your team goals are win enough games to get yourself in the postseason. And if you're in the postseason, go win a championship. To see those goals come to fruition and, and then to celebrate, there's nothing like it. There's really nothing like success at, right. at the highest level. I'm assuming that's out of body. I mean, is it? Yes, just, yes. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not fast, but that was a quick sprint. Quick. No, it really is. It, it, you, like you just don't even you don't even feel it. Like out of you, body for like a three, four, five days. Yes, yeah. yeah, big time. It, it's uh, still looking back at the memories. It's a blur. Like it, it really is, and it's not a, a blur because uh, you know I was just hammered drunk the entire time. No, it was right. a blur because <laughs> it was so surreal. It, it was so uh, it was so amazing. It, it was so fun and. There's nothing like that again. No. So the, the next goal is, next thing in life, what, what can we conquer next? I don't know if it's going to live up to winning the World Series, right. uh, but whatever it is, it's going to be great. Well, knowing you were coming in, I watched some of the highlights from that World Series. And just looking back, I mean, it's I get fired up as a fan, yes. so I can't imagine being there. So, so that happens. You get your on-field celebration. You go, cameras are running everywhere, but you get to go into the locker room with just the team, if I'm not mistaken, for a while, right? Yeah. There's no reporters, nothing. No, you, you get to like? do uh, you get to do a little bit of your celebrating. And once again, to, to me, that one is we worked so hard. This was such a long year. There are so many ups and downs. You mentioned the 83 wins, but we did it, you know, and there, there's that uh, – there's that just team vibe. There, there's that cohesiveness of a group that wins a championship. I know that you don't have to be best friends like to succeed like in a, in a group of people, but you sure do need to care for each other, I think. You have to like legitimately care what happens uh, among one another, and that team did. And you could tell, you, you could 
feel it in the moment, obviously. You could see it throughout the support that that group had. So to have that defining moment, to win the World Series, I, I remember taking the picture in the clubhouse, yeah. you know, of everybody doing their famous thing. famous picture. We just got to reenact that, yeah. by the way. Ten-year reunion, we had everybody, for the most part, in there reenacting that one. It's just a special, special moment. Another moment I'll never forget during that celebration, after it was just the team, was my parents coming in and, and being a part of it. My mom, like, I don't think she had ever drank a beer, and I gave her a, a Budweiser, <laughs> and she had a, had a swig of it. Like, it was just a, a special moment to get to share with the ones you love. Yeah, well, that's special. So what time did you shut it down that night? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, it, I do not know. Yeah, it, was, it, was right. good, it was a good week. Right. Yeah, we had a good week. I think the night went to Shannon's, if I'm not mistaken, afterwards. everybody, A lot of people did, I all, think. Yeah, that, that place, it, it went all over the place. Shannon's, Lafayette's. I mean, there were so many, so many yeah. different places, so much celebration, so much excitement, man. We are, uh, anybody listening to this knows that uh, Cardinal fans are unbelievable. And everybody's excited about a World Series. But I don't think it's like this. I know it's not like this everywhere. I got a chance to play in different places. It's uh, the, the celebration never stops. The love for the team never stops. And really, you do get the best out of the guys here. It's unbelievable. Right. So anything you'd like to close with? I've got one question. I'm going to put, yes. put you on the spot, I think, here in a little oh. bit. Maybe we'll either d- d- confirm or deny, but you do it on the air. So I figure you, you're going to do it here. Give up a home run? Oh, look at Self-deprecating? No. <laughs> I, I also, well, do you want to bring your friend in that's out here that we're also going to interview just for like a couple questions? Who we got? Uh, la- ladies and gentlemen, Albert Pujols is here. Albert, how you doing today? Brad, Brad, hey, how you guys doing? Oh, we're doing good, man. How you doing, Albert? Oh, it's good. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Brad was going to be here. If, if Brad came, you know, I, I would no come. Oh. But it's good. No, it's good to see you, Brad. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, you know, uh, success for me you know, starts with, you know, home run. You know, I hit a lot of home run, a lot of RBI, a lot of money, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had to ask he's you, He's going to kill me. No, he's he going to kill me. No, Didi's going to kill me. Right. At some point. Well, good news is they probably won't listen to this. And, uh, maybe they will. They might. You never know. The Angles. They, oh, play for the, the Angles. The Angles of Anaheim. Yeah. It's good. I love that, man. That is awesome. So in closing, my friend, what would you, uh, what would you tell the Brad Thompson of, uh, you know, the 18-year-old Brad Thompson, what would you tell that kid? I would tell that kid, be ready for any opportunity and be ready to pounce on it. The, yeah. the last thing you want to do is see an opportunity pass you by. And guess what you're going to do at some point? You're going to fail. That doesn't mean you're a failure. That means you failed at that. You you can bounce back. You can succeed. And it's all about belief. You talk about that attitude. Have a good one every single day, and you're going to be all right. Absolutely. Where can our listeners find more Brad Thompson? Obviously, you're on ESPN and all that stuff. But you a social media guy? Yeah, I'm on there a little bit. I do the Twitter. I'm at bthompson48. Hopefully, you can catch me on some Fox Sports pre and post game this year. But I appreciate, Brett, you having me. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. I appreciate you being here, man. It's great seeing you. Thanks for listening to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and each and every single week, we're going to bring you a great guest, whether that's a a business leader, a professional sports star, an author, whatever it is, we're going to bring you as much as we possibly can to help you live your best life. And so we look forward to bringing that to you every single week. If you want more on our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, check us out online at visionarywealthadvisors.com. You can also find the show's website at circuitofsuccess.com. We'll be back next week with another great guest on the Circuit of Success. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 